Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Destination Disaster. I'm your host, Devin Carney. On this week's episode, we will be taking a look at a different form of disaster, one that can be prevented. Commonly known as man-made disasters, these incidents are without outside influence due to a naturally occurring event such as a hurricane. Man-made disasters can be caused by sheer negligence, deliberate acts, or even error. Some examples of man-made disasters include the terrorist attacks of 9-11, the Tokyo subway sarin gas attack, and the topic that we will be covering this week, nuclear meltdowns. For those unfamiliar with how nuclear meltdowns occur, these events occur as a result of the inability to remove the excess heat caused by the nuclear fission reaction that generates the steam required to operate the generator. Once the cooling system is unable to remove this heat, the reactor will continue to heat until the radioactive material reaches its melting point, which results in a meltdown. Over the very short lifespan of nuclear power throughout the world, over 100 major accidents have occurred, with the majority happening right here in the United States. While not an entirely common incident, it is one that ranks among the most dangerous as the effects of a nuclear meltdown cannot be fixed in a day. Following the release of radioactive material, winds can carry this dust over 50 miles and depending on the direction, can place millions in harm's way of experiencing acute radiation sickness, future forms of cancer, and even a very violent and painful death. Radioactive fallout can destroy crops, wildlife, and pollute waterways leading to a whole host of outcomes following a disaster such as this. This topic is something that I have researched extensively and is something that I believe truly no one is ready for. I can say this with 100% confidence. After listening to my episode today, I will ensure that my audience is far better prepared for any risks that may arise as a result of a nuclear meltdown. Nuclear power has a long, storied history in the United States. The first commercial nuclear generating station would enter service in 1958, and at the peak of construction on most reactors, these would begin in the 1970s. Many of these generating stations still produce power to this very day. In fact, the average age of nuclear plants in the United States is approximately 39 years old. You may ask yourself, why this matters? But when these stations were initially built, they were only expected to have a commercial lifespan of approximately 40 years meaning without the proper upgrades to safety and operational equipment, the majority of all nuclear plants in the United States would be at the end of their lifespan. Now obviously this isn't the case, or this would be a short episode. Just recently within the last two years, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission has approved reactors in both Florida and Pennsylvania to operate up until their 80-year mark. Before we transition into both the historic nuclear accidents and today's theoretical one, I wanted to provide you all with how nuclear events are ranked. Scale is ranked from 0 to 7 on the International Nuclear Event Scale. Level 0 is a deviation, which means there is no safety significance to the event that has occurred. 
Level 1 is an anomaly. This usually means that overexposure of a member of the public, minor problems with safety components, lost activity, or stolen radioactive source devices has occurred. Level 2 is an incident, significant failures in safety provisions but with no actual consequences, exposure of work in excess of statutory annual limits, significant contamination within the facility into an area not expected by design, and level 3, a serious incident, exposure in excess of 10 times the statutory annual limit for workers, severe contamination in an area not expected by design, and with a low probability of significant public exposure. Levels 2 and 3 are classified as incidents. Now as we move into the higher levels, levels 4 through 7 are classified as accidents. Level 4 is an accident with local consequences. This means that a minor release of radioactive material unlikely to result in implementation of planned countermeasures other than local food controls has occurred. Level 5 means that there is an accident with wider consequences. Several deaths from radiation, severe damage to the reactor core, and a release of large quantities of radioactive material within an installation with a high probability of significant public exposure. Level 6 means there is a serious accident. Significant release of radioactive material likely to require implementation of planned countermeasures. And level 7, a major accident. Major releases of radioactive material with widespread health and environmental effects requiring implementation of planned and extended countermeasures. Following our first break, we will review a historic instance of a nuclear meltdown here in the United States and begin to discuss our primary focus for this episode. Welcome back. Before our break, we discussed the history of nuclear power here in the United States and took a look at the international nuclear event scale. Now, let's implement that into our next segment. Now, as I stated at the beginning of this episode, over 100 major nuclear power plant accidents have occurred since 2014, with 57 of these events occurring following the Chernobyl disaster. Scarier than that, over 50% of these incidents occurred right here in the United States. One of the most serious disasters to occur happened seven years prior to the Chernobyl disaster at Three Mile Island. This disaster was ranked a 5 on the 7-point international scale. Several compounding factors led to the accident at Three Mile Island to include failures in the non-nuclear secondary system, followed by a stuck-open, pilot-operated relief valve in the primary system. These relief valves are used for emergency relief during overpressure events. Following the failure of this valve, this allowed large amounts of nuclear reactor coolant to escape. The next failure was human-caused, as the operators during this event were inadequately trained to identify this as a loss of coolant accident. One day following the accident, state officials received incorrect reports stating that the Three Mile Island incident was under control and that evacuations would not need to take place. However, less than a day later, government officials would issue a voluntary evacuation order to pregnant women and children within five miles to evacuate. Later that very same day, this zone was extended to a 20-mile radius to include a population of over 660,000. Following the accident, a survey was conducted regarding the evacuation. It was discovered that less than half of the population evacuated, meaning, thanks to inadequate planning, communication, and training, the government failed the citizens of this region. While overall exposure to those citizens within the 10-mile zone equaled that to a chest x-ray, a subsequent study conducted by Dr. Stephen Wing identified a significant increase in cancers from 1979 to 1985. 
among those who lived within the 10-mile radius. Is it possible that officials at Three Mile Island tried to cover up just how much radiation escaped? Events similar to this that fail to properly inform the public is what concerns me. While this episode is not meant to bash nuclear energy, believe me, I am a huge proponent for clean and green energy, but what I am not a proponent for is the brushing of accidents under the rug. Those exposed could have sought early evaluations to understand their risk of developing certain cancers and being able to have that risk checked annually to increase their likelihood of survival. While I understand that accidents happen, what cannot fail the public is the communication that we rely on. Now this is where we begin to transition our discussion to today's topic. Surrey Nuclear Power Plant is located in Surrey County, Virginia, and construction began on June 25, 1968, with Unit 1 coming online December 22, 1972, and Unit 2 coming online on May 1, 1973. The plant is owned by Dominion Resources Incorporated and is operated by Dominion Generation. On May 5, 2021, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission approved a 20-year extension of its operating license for Surrey. This authorization allows the reactors to operate to a maximum lifespan of between 60 and 80 years. During its early days of operation, there were quite a few accidents to occur here. On July 27, 1972, a routine valve adjustment led to a steam release and a gap leading to two workers being fatally burned. On December 9, 1986, a steam explosion in the non-nuclear part of Unit 2 injured eight workers, with four later succumbing to their wounds. And on April 16, 2011, a tornado touched down in the plant's electrical switching station, disabling primary power to the plant's cooling pumps and causing the backup diesel generators to activate without incident. Within the 10-mile emergency planning zone, there are numerous sirens that will alert those within this region that an emergency has occurred and that emergency precautions need to take place. What concerns me, however, is that Surrey is located within 50 miles to nearly every major metropolitan area within the state. Within this 50-mile radius, over 2 million people are at risk of exposure to radioactive airborne contaminants should an accident occur at Surrey. This number of people within the 50-mile radius is only expected to increase over the next 20 years. According to an article by NBC News, population growth within the 10-mile emergency planning zone for nuclear power plants has steadily experienced an increase over the last decade. A new map of data from the 2010 U.S. Census shows that the number of people living within the 10-mile emergency planning zones around nuclear power plants rose by 17% in the past decade, compared with an overall increase of less than 10% in the U.S. population. If the circles on the map are wide into a 50-mile radius, they would cover one in three people in the United States. Following our final break, we will do what we always do and look at a theoretical worst-case scenario of a nuclear meltdown at Surrey Nuclear Power Plant. Welcome back. As we transition into this week's final segment, please be aware that this event is truly theoretical and is a true worst-case scenario that will not happen. Thanks to upgrades at Surrey Nuclear Power Plant in 2003, the likelihood an event of this magnitude has been significantly mitigated. Please note, the content that is provided beyond this statement is purely fictional and should be received as such. As the sun falls below the horizon on December 15, 2021, staff at the Surrey Nuclear Power Plant are conducting the normal shift change procedures when an alarm sounds, signaling a loss of coolant accident in Unit 1. Staff immediately realize this and initiate emergency procedures that include opening a relief valve, 
that is able to pump in fresh coolant to prevent additional heating. However, the valve fails to open and the steam bubble continues to grow until it exceeds the pressure the containment chamber is designed to withstand. A large explosion ensues with fire ripping through the building. The shift supervisor responsible issues a general emergency and requests additional outside resources to help contain the spread of the fire. Emergency sirens within the 10-mile emergency planning zone are activated and emergency management personnel begin to issue mandatory evacuations for those who are within the 10-mile radius. For those unable to evacuate, emergency personnel advise those persons to stay inside, turn off all air conditioning units, and get into a basement if available. After approximately four hours of fighting the intensely hot fire, crews are able to get the fire under control at Unit 1. However, the damage has been done. It is discovered that as the steam continued to lift into the air, radioactive contaminants were carried as well. Winds this night were relatively strong and carried fallout from the explosion over 50 miles into cities within Hampton Roads. Over 2 million people at this point are now in the affected area and unable to evacuate due to the sheer amount of panic and chaos occurring. The beaches are ordered to be closed and evacuated and all citizens are urged to shelter in place until NRC personnel can deploy and understand the initial spread of the nuclear fallout. As the days turn into weeks, an emergency containment unit is rebuilt and now houses Unit 1. Due to this, Surrey was forced to shut down Unit 2 as well so that proper inspections could take place and ensure another explosion would not occur. Damage to the affected area is in the billions as a massive cleanup operation takes place and after nearly two months, lives can finally return to a sense of normalcy. Following an investigation into the failure, it is discovered that plant staff were aware of the situation regarding the failure of the relief valve that would have saved billions in property damage and over 1,000 lives would have been saved. While events like this are entirely possible due to human error, the likelihood of it ever occurring is rare. Safety instruments, round-the-clock monitoring, and safety training ensure an accident like this will never occur. If it did, the effects would be impossibly hard to estimate. Currently, over 2 million people are in the line of fire should a containment breach at the Surrey Nuclear Power Plant occur, and I believe that the preparations of those citizens in the initial 10-mile emergency planning zone haven't been adequately taken. More so, those well within the 50-mile radius have little to no idea that something of this magnitude could occur, as emergency management personnel have done little outreach on this subject. For those concerned enough to begin taking precautions now, here are a few very vital tips that could aid in your survival. First and foremost, remain inside, or if outside, quickly get inside a hard-walled building. Listen to updates and instructions from emergency personnel. It's possible that you will receive a reverse 911 call, so please be sure to have your phone ready in the event this does occur. Turn off all ventilation systems that pull in air from the outside, and if possible, seal doors, windows, and vents with plastic to ensure fallout does not enter your home. Emergency supplies are similar to what you should have in the event of any disaster. Enough water to last for up to two weeks, that is one gallon per person per day. Enough food for two weeks. In an event such as this, I would recommend that you eat only canned goods that have been stored inside the home. Finally, for those who were outside during the event, as you come inside, slowly remove your outer layer of clothing and take a shower as soon as possible and scrub every square inch of your body. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me this week. If you enjoy this content and want to continue listening, please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Radio Republic, and Google Podcasts. 
Additionally, I am now on Twitter at Dest Disaster, that is D-E-S-T-D-I-S-A-S-T-E-R. I'm on Instagram at Destination Period Disaster and on TikTok at Destination Disaster Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.